Welcome to the Naked Novelist. I'm gonna read to you today. Welcome to the Naked Novelist. I know I've been away. Welcome to the Naked Novelist. Grab yourself some tea or some coffee or maybe even just a snack. Sit back while I read to you and I beg you to relax. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Yes, it's Nelsie Spencer and this is my podcast, The Naked Novelist. I have been so AWOL and I have some excuses. Excuse me. I've been working diligently on my other podcast. I've been teaching. I've been working on my one-woman show, Day of the Dead Daddy. I did a reading of that uh, not long ago. Not long ago, in late July. No, late June. It's not late July yet. Um, Anyway, welcome back. Today I'm going to tackle Chapter 25. And this is The Playgroup by Nelsie Spencer, read by the author. Chapter 25. My name's Pinky, but you can call me Stinky because that's my grandma's name. A loud, cheery voice boomed through Missy and Antonio's apartment as Ellie pushed her new double baby jogger into the foyer. Mommy, it started. The show started. Annika whined. Sit down. Sit down. The voice came ringing from the living room. Ellie looked in to see the living room decorated to within an inch of its life with crepe paper, mylar balloons, and a huge happy birthday mason banner stretched across the floor-to-ceiling windows. In front of the fireplace, an animated woman in pink satin short alls, as in instead of overalls, short alls, was trying to wrangle a passel of preschoolers. I can't start until everyone's bottom is on the rug, she continued. Annika jumped out of the stubble jogger, fell to the floor, and started crying hysterically. Annika, sweetie, Ellie tried in vain. This is good. I always make a big entrance, she thought, struggling to take Annika's coat off as she writhed. Angus sat in the perch in the double stroller, destroying a cinnamon raisin bagel and watching silently. We missed it! We missed it! Annika screamed. Ellie was too humiliated to even look up to see how many well-dressed, on-time mothers were witnessing her nightmare. She finally got the coat off, the squirming, sobbing Annika, only to reveal, yes, her Darth Vader costume. She leaned into her daughter and whispered, If you don't calm down, we are going straight home. It's all because of Angus and his stupid, stupid Angus had to nurse. All right, let me do that again. It's all because stupid Angus had to nurse. She screamed through tears. Sweetie, we don't say stupid in our house. Ellie pulled off one glove, and it hasn't started yet. She's just getting everyone settled. She pulled off the other glove. We're not in our house. We're in Mason's house. Ring. Fuck. What does fuck mean, Mommy? Annika stopped crying on a dime and asked calmly. It means darn it, Ellie explained as she scrambled for her phone in her purse. Why didn't I shut this thing off? She hit send. Hello? Get off the phone, Mommy. 
missing it. Annika's screams were back. Ellie, hi, it's me. I have great news. We're missing it, Annika screamed. Lisa, just a second. Ellie held her hand over the phone, then barked at Annika. We aren't missing it. Just stop it. Annika froze for a moment. So did Ellie. What's up, Lisa? Ellie felt hollow and shaky from too little food and too much exercise. She hadn't thrown up since the night of peanut butter and triscuits, but she had started running every day, hence the double jogger. Well, great news. Larry and Michelle are flying in from L.A. next week, and they want to see Pregnant on Purpose. <gasps> great. Ellie didn't have a clue who Larry and Michelle were, but it was clear from Lisa's tone that she was supposed to know. Annika was now whimpering softly. Ellie, the phone still to her ear, picked her up with her free hand and carried her into the living room. You're going to pitch to them a week from Friday, like you did for me, only now it'll be more polished, and you'll have all the monologues and the show ideas set. Uh-huh. Ellie was only half listening to Lisa as she put Annika down next to the gaggle of kids. The instant Annika saw Mason, she made a miraculous recovery and sat down next to him in front in the front row. Ah! Now, Angus was screaming. Listen, Lisa, I have to go, Ellie said under her breath as she sprinted back to the foyer to rescue him. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Oh, Ellie. I wanted to ask you, I'm having horrible heartburn at night now, and I'm so fucking pregnant. What? Sleep sitting up, Ellie said, cutting her off. It's work. It works like a charm. Lisa, I've really got to go. Okay, I have to do that whole section over again, because I didn't know who was talking. Okay. Okay, this is me being Lisa, being stuck. You're going to pitch it to them a week from Friday like you did for me, only now it'll be more polished and you'll have all the monologues and the show ideas set. Uh-huh. Ellie was only half listening to Lisa as she put Annika down next to the gaggle of kids. The instant Annika saw Mason, she made a miraculous recovery and sat down next to him in the front row. Now, Angus was screaming. Listen, Lisa... I have to go, Ellie said under her breath as she sprinted back to the foyer to rescue him. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Oh, Ellie, I, I wanted to ask you. I'm having horrible heartburn at night now that I'm so fucking pregnant. What? Sleep sitting up, Ellie said, cutting her off. It works like a charm. Lisa, I really got to go. Friday, Lisa chimed one last time as Ellie hit the power button, flicked her phone closed, and put it in the diaper bag. Sorry, sweetie, she gave Angus a squeeze. Let's go see the show, okay? And they headed back to Pinky. I'm here today because it's Mary's birthday, Pinky continued to talk in her loud, obnoxious voice. No, Mason, not Mary, Camille called. Oh, right, it's Jason's birthday party. No, the children all called in unison. Mason, oh, right, 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 it's Mason's birthday today. Pinky hit herself hard on the forehead. The children roared. And he's eight years old today, and I'm sure... No! What? Pinky looked scared now. He's not eight? No! They yelled. Then he must be ten anyway. I'm sure... He's three! Someone called. Are you sure? P Pinky looked suspicious. Yeah! 
the group bellowed. Well, where's this three-year-old Mr. Mason? Pinky turned her fists into binoculars and searched the crowd. Mason raised his hand. Pinky grabbed it and pulled him from his seat. Mason, wearing a native, excuse me, <clears throat> Mason, wearing a navy cardigan, a white shirt with a Peter Pan collar, gray wool shorts, knee socks, and a little navy blue Oxford. Oh, and the little navy blue Oxford stood next to Pinky and red-faced. He's got the little Lord Fauntleroy outfit on again, Ellie realized, just like at the Christmas party. This is another East Side thing I, I, that I don't get. Forget the pansy factor and the fact that shorts and March are completely impractical. How in the hell does Missy get him to wear that outfit? I can barely talk Annika into leaving her Darth Vader mask at home. Who likes bunnies? Pinky asked, holding up a large blue and white striped box. Me, I do. I like bunnies. All the children were yelling and waving their arms. Ellie looked around and noticed that she was surrounded by more than a dozen kids and four nannies. All the other mothers and nannies were off eating, drinking, and chatting. Where's Missy? she wondered, scanning the party. Oh, great, she thought when she spotted Missy at the bar, looking timeless in red cashmere sweater set, black slacks and loafers. Uh-oh, Ellie thought. She's parlaying avec Frenchie. Ugh. What is it about Marie Claire that I don't like? Ellie asked herself as she scrutinized her charcoal gray pantsuit with the ever-present Hermes. Maybe it's because she's lived in New York for I don't know how long and she still doesn't speak the language. Now, when I bring out Larry and you all have to be very quiet, Pinky whispered, because bunnies don't like loud noises. Can you do that? There were nods and mumbles of agreement from the kids. What? I couldn't hear you. I said, can you do that? Yes, the children yelled, and Pinky fell over backwards if, as if blown over by their sheer volume. The crowd went nuts. A bunny named Larry, damn good, Ellie thought, as she and Angus headed for the bar. Isn't this Pinky Percy one? Let me say that again. Isn't this pinky person wonderful? Libby Merrill had appeared out of nowhere. Ms. Monochromatic was a symphony in teal today. Teal skirt, blouse, hose, and pumps. She's great, Ellie agreed. Now where the heck did Missy and Frenchie go, she wondered. Do you know where Missy found her? Libby asked surreptitiously, as if they were trading government secrets. Let me say that again. Do you know where Missy found her? Libby asked surreptitiously, as if they were trading government secrets. No, I really don't. I think it was a last-minute thing. Missy has a knack for finding the best of everything, Libby said, pouring herself a Diet Coke. We really hadn't talked about it much, Ellie told her as she plopped some ice in her club soda. They really hadn't talked about much of anything lately. Oh, Missy and Ellie had seen each other twice a week, like clockwork. But after the fight with Peter... Ellie had decided to really crack down. She had told Missy that she couldn't waste her Park Avenue playgroup time lolling in bed. She must make her deadline. And Missy hadn't argued. In fact, she had done her best to help. When Missy was finished licking Ellie to delirium, Missy would give her about five minutes to recuperate, then shove her out of bed and to her laptop. So, thanks in large part to Ellie, 
to Missy, sorry, thanks in large part to Missy, Ellie just might have something to pitch to the all-powerful Larry and Michelle next Friday. Mason, Pinky yelled in mock reprimand, what have you done to my magic wand? Mason stood next to Pinky with a limp wand in his hand, giggling furiously. Go! Go! Angus yelled. Angus was yelling and pointing to Pinky. Okay, sweetie, just a minute. He was squirming to get down and get back to the fabulous Pinky. He'd started walking less than a week earlier, so he was raring to go. Do you want me to take him? Bibi arrived right on cue. Yes, Bibi, thanks. She handed her wriggling boy over. I didn't know you were here already. I've been in the kitchen helping out. Did you just get here? Ellie nodded sheepishly. I had to nurse Angus when Annika was adamant about wearing her Darth Vader helmet. It was a tad chaotic. Uh, I'm going to say that again. Ellie nodded sheepishly. I had to nurse Angus, then Annika was adamant about wearing her Darth Vader helmet. It was a tad chaotic. Angus scrambled out of Bibi's arms and beelined, beelined it for Pinky. Bye! Bibi called over her shoulder, and she was off in pursuit of the nodding Angus, of the toddling Angus. She's great with him, Libby said, sipping her Coke. She's the best. Where in the world did you find her? Libby asked as she watched Bibi snag the giggling, giggling Angus and give him a big hug. Missy, of course. She's unbelievable. Hello, ladies. Faith Roberts has arrived. had arrived at the bar in a casual but painfully preppy outfit, navy turtleneck, khakis, and the loafers with the tiny bows again, this time in navy with green trim. Frightening. Who are we talking about? Missy, Libby told her. She found Pinky at the last minute, apparently. Isn't she amazing? I suppose amazing is the word that would describe her, Faith said and crammed a brie-slathered cracker in her mouth. She was carrying a Thomas the Tank Engine paper plate piled high with hors d'oeuvres. What's that supposed to mean? Ellie asked. Look, Faith said as she chewed, I know you two are friends, and she's been anything but gracious to me, but I heard a story about her that made my skin crawl, that's all. What? Libby asked, dying for the dirt. I really can't say. I was sworn to secrecy. But you just did, didn't you? Ellie said, ready to pop her. All I'm saying is Missy Hangover, Missy Hanover may not be the, what she appears to be. What? Faith, tell us, Libby said, closing in, the ice in her Diet Coke clinking. Well, Ellie shook her head and started to walk away, but Faith grabbed her by the elbow. Look, Ellie. Faith's expression was grave. If what I heard is true, you had better... Ellie turned and fired. You know what's really going on here, Faith? You are just completely intimidated by Ellie, and you can't stand the fact that she is nice and pretty and, well, flawless, really. So you stand at her party, stuffing your face with her food, and spread rumors about her. Ellie's face was pulsing with rage. That doesn't show very good breeding now, does it, Faith? I'm going to say that again. That doesn't show very good breeding now, does it, Faith? Just be careful, Ellie, Faith said. Just watch your back. Ah! There was a scream from the group of spellbound kids. Devin, stop, a three-year-old voice called. 
That didn't sound three-year-old, but you get, Devin, stop, a three-year-old voice called. Excuse me, Faith said, popping a shrimp dumpling in her mouth. Seems Devin needs help. And she walked away on her loafers with the tiny bows. Devin needs her help, Ellie said. More like, more likely thanks to Devin, someone needs a blood transfusion. Excuse me, Libby. I have to find the bathroom. She headed off in search of her lover. Watch your back? Faith's words rang in her head as she entered the dining room. What the heck could the story have been? It made her skin crawl? Jesus. Ellie's need to find Missy felt all the more urgent after the cryptic exchange with Faith. Okay, she's not here, Ellie concluded, scanning the room as she passed through as she passed through it toward the kitchen. Miss Ellie, Gloria called the moment Elliot came through the swing door. What are you doing here? I thought maybe I could put on an apron and pass some puff pastries. Don't you dare stop helping, or Miss Missy will never forgive me. After her run-in with Faith, hiding out in the kitchen sounded pretty darn good, but her first priority was finding Missy. Just kidding, Ellie said, giving Gloria a squeeze. She stole a fat strawberry off a fruit platter. I'm in search of Missy. Have you seen her? She tried to sound casual, then bit the strawberry in half. Not for a while. She's not out there watching the show. Ellie shook her head. She seems to have disappeared. Gloria shrugged her shoulders. She'll be back. She always checks in with us. Well, back to the show. Ellie put the rest of her strawberry in her mouth and was off. This is weird, she thought, as she headed down the hallway. Where could she have gone? Certainly she's not smoking pot in the library during Mason's birthday party. The idea of Missy and Marie Claire sharing a joint in the dimly lit library sent a chill right through her. She began to race walk toward the master bedroom. Maybe she's peeing. Maybe she's putting on lipstick. As she got closer to the bedroom door, she thought she heard Missy laughing on the other side. A stab of fear shot through her stomach. Suddenly, there were arms around her and a hand over her eyes from behind. Guess who? Antonio's deep, sexy voice whispered in her ear. Antonio! She tried to keep the annoyance out of her voice. He released his hold and turned her to face him. What are you sneaking off to? He studied her with mock suspicion. Can't a girl use the powder room? She was anxious to get to Missy. The gas bathroom was occupado, she lied. She held her arms firmly and locked eyes with her. Oh, he locked her arms firmly and locked eyes with her, his specialty. And how is the famous writer? Oh, my mother, she's fine. I'm talking about the soon-to-be-famous Ellie Fuller, star and creator of her own TV show, he boomed. Why is he talking so loudly, Ellie wondered. Of course, I should do that section again. I'm talking about the soon-to-be-famous Ellie Fuller, star and creator of her own TV show. He boomed. Why is he talking so loudly, Ellie wondered. From your mouth to God's ears, she said. And from your mouth to God's ears, she said in her best Jewish grandmother voice. Antonio laughed one of his grand laughs and pulled her into him, hugging her for a long time. You will be very famous, my little Ellie. His hot breath in her ear made her legs go wobbly. He began rubbing her back. Believe me. He continued and showed no signs of letting her go. 
Thank you, Antonio. I hope you're right, she pulled back, struggling against him, his embrace. It's not you I want, silly. It's your wife, she thought, fighting an urge to plant one on his full Argentine lips. She stretched onto her tiptoes and whispered in his ear, Antonio. What, darling? He gripped her shoulders tightly. Can I tell you something? Anything. If you don't let me go, I'm going to pee all over the floor. His grip relaxed immediately, and another laugh escaped his lips. Go! Go and pee! Then Ellie, when Ellie turned to go, he smacked her on the butt. She just laughed. It felt like the most natural thing in the world. I must get back to my son's party. And Antonio turned and walked away, leaving Ellie to her search. Her hand was on the doorknob to the master bedroom in a second. The sound of laughter came again. It stopped Ellie in her tracks. She felt suddenly scared of what she might find on the other side. She opened the door. The bedroom was dark, the curtains drawn. She thought she could see two figures standing on the far side of the big Italian bed. Missy? Yes. Her voice was flat. Ellie felt cold suddenly. Her eyes adjusted to the darkness, and she could see it was Marie Claire standing next to Missy. They were looking at her silently, waiting, it seemed, for an explanation. Oh, uh, sorry. M Missy, I was looking for you. There was a beat then. Well, here I am, Missy said coldly. Marie Claire said something quietly to Missy in French. Missy responded, then the two women laughed. What the fuck are they saying? Ellie wondered, feeling like an idiot. Are they talking about me? Excusez-moi. Marie Claire and I... Excusez-moi, Marie Claire, but I need to parlay avec Missy, s'il vous plaît. Ellie shot daggers at Frenchie in the dim light, hoping she saw them. Marie Claire just shrugged her shoulders and began to giggle. The two women began to babble in French again. Missy, I need to talk to you. She was trying hard not to scream. Missy looked at her lover slash best friend with disdain. Honestly, Ellie, you are being impossible again. What is going on here? Ellie wondered. What the hell is going on? She studied Missy's detached demeanor. She felt hot and prickly all over, and her breathing was shallow. Marie Claire disappeared. Sorry. Marie Claire disappeared so Okay, Nelsie. Whew! Marie Claire whispered something to Missy. They laughed. Visions of playground meanies crowded Ellie's brain. She had an almost uncontrollable urge. I'm going to say that again. Visions of playground meanies crowded Ellie's brain. She had an almost uncontrollable urge to march over to the two women and shove Marie Claire over. No one moved or said a word for what felt like forever. I hope you two enjoyed the bed, Ellie said finally, and she shut the door with a bang. Well, well, well. <laughs> As you guys know, I haven't read this book in 15 years, and I haven't written it in more than that. So, um, wow, that's a heck of a chapter. Anyway, uh, I always find myself yawning after I read a chapter, and I think it's because I'm not very practiced at this and I don't breathe properly. If my friend 
Orla Cassidy was reading this, it you wouldn't have all those stops, starts and stops. It would be very clear which character is which, and it would be beautifully edited. Excuse me. Anyway, um, so here we are, hopefully raising the stakes. Ellie um, is hungry and has been hasn't been throwing up but has been running too much so in essence her addiction around food and exercise is is in full swing even though she's not throwing up she's got secrets everywhere secrets from Peter of course she and Missy have secrets from Antonio she's got secrets from everybody else at the playgroup secrets from her children and she's looks like she's put all her eggs in Missy's basket and now it looks like Missy's basket might not be a very trustworthy place not a surprise not a surprise right so what I've done as a writer is increase the tension and increase the stakes uh, Ellie is getting closer and closer to an edge and it looks like there's no net so that's where we are uh, increase the tension increase the stakes, get the protagonist in bigger trouble. So The Naked Novelist, um, my job here is to help you as writers. If you aren't creating a schedule for yourself and then sticking to that schedule, please uh, do so. You can do my virtual writing coach if you want. It's really easy to do. Go online pay hardly anything, excuse me, for three or six months, and um, you have accountability. But beyond that, find, find someone to have accountability with. It could be your mom, your brother, your sister, your best friend, um, your best friend from high school that you just are in touch with over Facebook or over texts or over WhatsApp. Uh, get that discipline going and stick with it. Sometimes 15 minutes is the most you can do. You know my favorite line, where would we be if Shakespeare had said, maybe I'll just journal, right? Where would we be if fill in the blank, your favorite author or painter or choreographer or architect had said, maybe I'll just do something that's practical and not creative think where we'd be without the great art, the great works of fiction, beautiful buildings, beautiful dance, beautiful fashion for that matter, right? Look around you. Art is everywhere. So yeah, so please follow me on Instagram at uh, The Naked Novelist. Um, and most importantly, subscribe and review if you could. I don't think I have any reviews. Subscribe and review. And tell your friends. That's it. More next week. Have a great week. Write every day or write five out of seven days. Minimum of 15 minutes, maximum of two hours. But give yourself an amount that you can do so you can have success. And if you do five minutes, go, God damn, I did five minutes. And then do a little dance. All right. Self-love is the key. All right, guys. Love ya, later, lunch. Bye.